T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0. And liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. And blast off. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Jake Schaefer Campaign. I'm your host, Jacob Mark Schaefer, and this is my campaign. If you're a first-time listener, you're probably thinking, doesn't he look like the guy from that hit CBS drama, The Bold and the Beautiful? Which is weird, because this is a podcast, so how are you seeing me? But either way, you'd be right. But I'm much more than just an actor and amazing husband. I'm also a writer. My newest novel, The Fleeting Prince, is available through my publisher, Bold Venture Press. If you're a fan of the show, please pick up a copy on Amazon and write a review. It's one of the best things you can do to help support me in this show. With that said, I'll continue to release chapters from the book bi-weekly on this podcast. Now, without further ado, Chapter 4 of The Fleeting Prince. Chapter 4 The sun was beginning to get low as the evening light fell across the floor, lighting the mouth of the mountain passage. The entrance had been divine once, large ivory pillars so shiny one might have thought they were cut from pearls, and so wide that six wagons pulled by elephants could have passed by one another and not have come close to touching. A honeycomb of passageways had run along the ceiling of the tunnel, filled with murder holes and arrow slits, and cut from the stone in the shape of stars and crescent moons that twinkled by firelight at night, the sleepless stars they had been called both lovely and lethal. All of it was gone now, reduced to rubble. The shortcomings of rock and stone made visible to mankind, to be seen by anyone who knew what it was they saw. Lennox knew. It made him sad. He had played in the honeycomb tunnels as a child. The memory came to him from far away. He didn't even know he remembered it till it was there with him. He made his way around fallen boulders and large chunks of stone that stood twice as tall as he did, littering the pathway. Most of the stones lay shattered, but a few still had some of their original shape. He climbed up the arc of a crescent moon for a better view, and saw a stone cut like a twinkling star with a large crack straight down the center, up ahead by about thirty paces. Shiva was there, walking through the fallen star towards the light of the sun. I've fallen behind, Lennox thought, before leaping down. When he reached the cracked star, the warden was gone. But the mouth of the cave was in sight, and the golden night continued forward. He could feel a cool draft blowing across the stones and cursed softly. Just once he'd like to feel warm. It had been so long, but they were high in the mountains he knew. True warmth wouldn't come yet, but soon. He would endure. He would always endure, not like this twisted ruin. The mouth of the cave had been glorious. Now it was merely a small passageway, cut into the side of a stony mountain, hardly enough for a horse to pass through, let alone a wagon. It's no surprise Shiva couldn't get the horses to walk through this, thought Lennox, as he shuffled through the pathway. He wasn't so sure he could get through without scuffing his armor, but he did. The icy wind came in gusts, 
howling along the mountainside and whipping Shiva's cloak back like a banner. Its grayish-black cloth a dark blur against the white drifting snow. In the distance the clouds were storm-black, but above they were thin with wisps of white against blue. Lennox searched the sky for the sun. It had been so long since he had seen it, since he had felt its warmth. He began to laugh when he saw it dip below the mountains far away, its final rays burning the sky red and orange, the colors of fire, but he did not feel its heat. He leaned back against the stone mountain and watched the colors swirl and burn above him. He smiled inside his helm. I am free, he thought. Now I can get back to work. He wasn't sure how long he stood there. But the colors were gone from the sky and night ruled the air when he spotted Shiva walking towards him, a black ghost surrounded by white. He was wrapped tight in his cloak to guard himself against the harsh bite of the wind. With a quiet command to follow, Shiva led off along the mountain. Lennox looked out warily at the trees as they passed, looming now in the night with their tall peaks and thick needles. Shadows seemed to take shape and move and then fade away before finally taking shape once more. A cycle of illusions made worse by the howling wind. Occasionally, dark wings could be seen flapping between the branches. This forest has tasted the taint, Lennox thought, as he watched thin tendrils of silver-gray fog drift low across the base of the trees following them. How much further to this girl companion of ours? Lennox murmured. Not far. Shiva answered. Astrid told me there is a small grotto just south of the mountain's entrance. It's warm and dry, and she said the wind doesn't reach it. She'll be waiting for us there. Shiva pointed back along the ridge. We've passed two small peaks. Just one more now. Uncertain, Lennox's eyes watched the forest edge. The fingers of the gray mist had splintered and grown fat as the mist oozed out along the tree line not more than a knee-high off the ground. A faint and silvery light accompanied the fog, and grew brighter as the mist collected. Yet the fog clung closely to the tree line, exceeding only a foot or two out into the clearing between the trees and the mountainside. He broke off from the mountain trail and walked slowly towards the fog. The misty tendrils were as thick as arms now, and swayed back and forth aimlessly. He stopped well short of the tree line, and studied them as they hovered softly in the air. What are they? Shiva asked from behind. Something very dark, Lennox replied. It is the taint, the curse of the undead taken shape. Unseen, unthinking, it leeches through water and burrows through the earth, seeking hosts to attach itself to. If you breathe it in, you will be corrupted, and the curse will be upon you. Can we burn it away? Lennox's laugh was bitter and short. The taint is vast, Warden. The entire lake is corrupt, and I'm sure the surrounding lands as well. Still, it can only spread so far from its source. Once we're clear of the mountain, we'll be safe enough. In the meantime... If you happen to fall or trip, it'd be best if you held your breath. Huh. Don't worry now, Shiva answered. 
He was smiling as he spoke. I can't remember when last I faltered. Oh, well, perhaps I was mistaken in my concerns. Showing concern for a friend is never a mistake. Is that what we are? Lennox wondered. He nodded to the big man and made his way back to the trail. Shiva was staring at the fog, his eyes unfeeling and cold. When Lennox reached the path, he turned, and together they continued their march through the wind. The third peak was not far now, but the wind blew harsher with each step. It caught Shiva's cloak and ripped it from his grasp, throwing the dark wool to his side in a tangled rage. He murmured something in an angry tone, and wished his coat were thicker that it might not catch the wind so easily. Trying to keep his cloak around him was near impossible. He had just gotten a handful of the cloth when a strong gust grabbed at his cloak once more, ripping it from his shoulders. It would have blown away completely had the warden not had quick hands. Lennox watched through the small slit in his helm with amusement in his eyes and a smile tugging on the corners of his mouth. He passed the warden leaving the big man alone in his struggles as he marched the last few paces alone towards the peak. The cold was everywhere. It hung onto the mountain and blew in from across the forest, cutting through his armor like a heavy blade. But the girl had spoken true. Not far from the small peak was the grotto, hidden behind the next pass. The side of the mountain burned red like a kiln, beckoning for him to come. Ah, hello there. Lennox thought. He turned and called out to Shiva. We've made it! He had to yell to be heard over the howling wind. I can see the fires glow. Not long now. Somehow, Shiva had managed to reattach his cloak despite the wind and was trudging along the trail towards Lennox. The snowfall was heavy. Large, white flakes as big as silver coins swirled about them and would soon hinder their vision if the weather continued to worsen. Now it was Lennox who led them. With the grotto in sight, there was only one way to go. Shiva followed behind, ever grasping at his cloak. From time to time, Lennox would throw a watchful look back as they walked. But the weather had turned bad quickly, and soon they found themselves in the heart of a storm. It would not do to get separated so close to refuge. Lennox would not have it. As weak as he was, he needed the warden. The world was dangerous, and had changed much, Lennox knew. It would not do to face it alone. He glanced back once more and called out to Shiva. Silence answered. Silence and snow. His heart raced and he took a step into the blinding white of the storm, and called out to the warden once more. I'm here, a voice answered. It sounded far away, but a moment later Shiva appeared, huddled in his cloak. He shook off the snow and lifted his eyes upward. How far? I couldn't say, Lennox answered, shaking his head. I can't see the fire anymore. If we fall, the mountain will come across it soon enough. We'd have to be blind to miss it. We are blind, was all the Golden Knight replied. Then he turned and continued on with Shiva safely behind. They heard the deep howls of wolves behind them before they had gone half a league. And later, more howls from the forest to their right. Shiva grunted, but said nothing, leaving Lennox alone in his fears. 
At least we have the mountain on one side, he thought. It would be hard to fight if they got surrounded on all sides by a pack. The small comfort left him when his mind wandered to the shadow cats. He realized the beasts could be stalking them from above and he would never know it. He pushed the thought aside. Again the wolves took up the call. Blood and ash, Lennox said, and picked up his pace. Doubt of ever reaching the grotto was rising quickly in his mind. When at last he saw the orange glow of the stone walls and cried out, We're here! Yes! We're here! He turned just as Shiva moved up beside him. The big man said nothing and together they took the final steps out of the storm and into the burning warmth of the grotto. They found the cavern empty. No, not empty, Lennox observed. Only the girl and her wolves were missing. Otherwise, everything was how it should be. Better, truthfully. He took off his helm as Shiva grabbed a few logs of wood from a small pile by the horses and fed them to the flame. He took a few more and tossed them in as well before removing his cloak and taking a seat. This cave looks well kept, Lennox said in a surprised tone. The fire pit wasn't much, but there was a decent supply of wood and a small fence built from crudely cut beams in the back that served as a stable for the horses. He set his helm down and drew a breath letting the warm air fill his lungs. Now that they were inside, the cold left him quickly. He wouldn't have died, not from the cold alone. What made his heart race was the taint and the monsters it bred. They would not be as strong as the gargoyle or the hydra in the lake, but they would be dark creatures still. Mountain clans hold these lands, Shiva started. He had pushed back his hood and his black hair hung wild across his shoulders. Methodically, he began to strip off his small male vest, leathers, and sweat-soaked woolens, all of which were either black or dark gray. Even the small vest of mail, which burned a dull black in the flames. He sat staring out the cave into the storm. They're always warring with each other, but they're smart enough not to destroy a cave like this. In winter, this shelter and the rocks can mean life or death for their raiders, and what belongs to the Moon Brothers today might be claimed by the Flint Crows tomorrow. Hmm, the Moon Brothers and the Flint Crows, you say? How many other clans live in these parts? Dozens, Shiva told him. He had moved a few more logs closer to the fire, and was draping his cloak over them so that the fire might catch their heat though not so many as there once were. They have been driven out. Mistress soon says there are queer things growing in these mountains. Dark things. The taint, Lennox said. Darkness breeds darkness. Shiva nodded. The cursed. He looked as though he wanted to say more, but it took time before the words left his mouth. The gargoyle at the bell tower and the hydra below the water. These creatures, there are others like them. Men believe they are creatures of the deep, beasts cursed by the taint, like the hollow men. But the serpent mentioned another. My mistress has heard his name whispered in the twilight hours as well. The Dark Moon Alchemist. 
Lennox stood staring back at Shiva, regarding him curiously. The words held a question in them and were spoken in a sullen tone, but the warden's eyes gleamed. This one is mad, Lennox thought. His eyes flickered to the black cloth that held the gargoyle's head. He seeks dangerous prey and takes their head for his prize. But for what? Proof, he supposed. Lennox felt the oathkeeper ring tighten softly around his finger like a noose. The man is a servant, and now so am I. He paused for a moment. It is a name best left in whispers, the golden-eyed answered quietly. Perhaps he thought Shiva would let it end there. She says he is the father of all the greater beasts, their maker. The great serpent called them failures, but they do not seem like failures to me. These are questions best left alone. Outside, the wind howled and the night grew darker, the air colder. Mistress soon wishes to know more of this alchemist and of his creations. All she needs do is ask and I will tell her what I can. But she is not here, and I will speak of it no more tonight. Shiva shrugged and turned to his pack and began shuffling aside. His casual indifference both confused and vexed Lennox. He'll get his answers sooner or later than I'd understood. He's in no hurry. A moment later, Shiva pulled out two large strips of salted beef and a small loaf of stale bread. He returned to his pack and pulled out a small block of hard cheese to round off the meal. He held out the block of cheese to Lennox, but the knight shook his head no. Do you even eat food? he asked. No, Lennox answered. Shiva nodded and produced a small dagger from his belt and began to cut the cheese into small slices that he placed on the bread and ate together. Afterward, he checked his cloak and was pleased to find it dry. Do you sleep? he asked, turning to face Lennox. Lennox shook his head. Shiva eyed him sharply. Then he laughed. A quick, short laugh of amusement that came bursting out of his mouth. He shook his head as the laugh turned into a smile. Well, we need not draw lots for the watch then. The night is yours, and you have sharp eyes too. I might just sleep well tonight. He had rolled his cloak into a ball and set it under his head as he lay out before the fire, happy for its warmth. Keep watch for the girl. I suspect she'll make her return sooner or later. The girl. He had forgotten about the girl. I thought perhaps she may have left us, Lennox replied. Ha! We all serve Mistress Soon, Sir Knight. The girl most of all. She'll return, and you need not fear her wolves. She has them well trained. He turned his head to the fire. She's half-wolf herself, that one. A pureblood from the northern clans across the slender sea. Not like those vagabonds that fill these cursed mountains. Does Kay still stand? Lennox asked, eager to hear of the outside world. So the northern folk say, Shiva replied. But the girl says the ice is spreading quickly, and that half the city has been consumed by the cold and left abandoned. In another hundred years, the entire city will be lost. 
and a thousand more, the land is well. And what of the other jewel cities? The warden's eyes perked up. He gazed across the fire with renewed curiosity, as though Lennox had just whispered some great secret. Just how long were you imprisoned? After a lengthy span of silence, Lennox answered. A long time. Shiva smiled. He's a bit more cheerful now that we're out of that cursed mountain, Lennox observed. But then, who wouldn't be? Mistress soon told me about you, Sir Knight. Were you there when the taint fell upon Martial? I suspected it would come, Lennox said gloomily, but I was never there to see it. He was looking at the fire, but his eyes were in the past. Shiva's words drew him back. Doom fell upon the city quickly once the taint appeared. A great judgment sent down by the four. There are many tales of that day, many stories and legends, all grim, and only fragments are known, even to my mistress. But they all start with the taint. Some say it appeared suddenly, others that it crept in slowly, seeping up from out of the sewers like a morning fog. My mistress believes it happened slowly. First it was the beggars and orphan boys who lived in the sewers. Little by little they disappeared, and the streets were cleaner than they had ever been. Others say it was the sewer castellans. They went into the depths of the city and never returned. No one truly knows. The disappearances continued, and a calm fear fell across the city. Even the king was no longer seen atop the white plateau. The young prince sent the grey cloaks down the dark tunnels, and the next day the cursed men appeared in full, swelling up from the sewers like rats. Madness swept through the streets then, and the city fell to chaos. Many fled. Others stayed and fought just to fall and rise again curse. Either way, one day the city was alive and well, and the next it lay soiled and in ruins, where no man dared enter. Shiva fell quiet, and a stillness filled the room. Beside them the fire cracked softly against the stone walls. And what followed after that? asked Lennox. Shiva looked across the flames and held his hands up in mystery. The city collapsed into a great silence. No one came or went for a long time until the Black Iron King called forth the Knights of Bedivere and raised an army in the hopes of purging the silent city. More is known of that catastrophe, but in the end the king failed dying brilliantly in battle. Even now the knights of Bedivere don black iron suits and carry large kite shields with the king's crest engraved across the iron in honor of the fallen king. I slew one of their ranks in the undead cathedral, and even now you carry his shield. The heavy shield stood leaning against the wall just behind Lennox. The iron was a dull black and reflected little of the light that came forth from the fire leaving it dark and bleak against the damp stones of the cave. Even then, the engraving of the arch-tree stood out along the shield, its branches billowing out in a thousand different ways along the top. It is a strong and true shield, Lennox said. I felt safe with it before me. Shiva nodded. Lennox continued. 
and the other cities. Soler still stands, as well as Bedivere and Cateron. But cities are like rivers. They bend and change shape with time. I have stood before the guild halls of Soler, old buildings made of strong stone, but I imagine they will not appear as you remember them. And the woods that were once said to surround the Iron City are no more, cut down and used to fuel the iron mills. You'll find Cateron closest to how it once was. It is a city of sand and water. Its people move, but the city endures. As for Hector and Saphir, across the western waters, I cannot say. Their great ships stopped coming the day Martial fell. If Martial has become the silent city, then Andor has become the silent land. The common folk wouldn't even recognize the names of those ancient cities. No one goes west of the Ron Sea, except to rummage through the silent city for treasure, or madmen who seek the fort to end the long silence. Lennox rose to his feet. The horses had begun to whine and he wanted to see them up close. A curse sent down by the four, he said. Too true, Shiva answered with a smile. He lifted his gaze and watched the golden knight as he moved across the cave. There are some oats in the satchel by the wood. If you're bored, you could feed them. Lennox picked up the satchel and took out a handful of oats and offered them to the horses. Shiva dropped his head back down to his rolled-up cloak. Keep watch for the girl. She is called Astrid, yes? Lennox asked. That was the name she gave me. Though Mistress soon says she has another. Shiva closed his eyes. Storms pass quickly in these mountains, Sir Knight. The watch is yours. I expect we shall see the sun rising by the morrow. Shortly after, the warden was asleep. His chest rose and fell in silent waves. Even in his sleep, Shiva is as quiet as a phantom shadow, Lennox mused. The man is an enigma. An assassin, perhaps? He would think on it. The serpent's words burned in him like a hot iron. Just a pawn in their game. But a pawn can kill the king just the same. The storm had raged for ten days now, and every so often Lennox would let out a mocking laugh, mumbling something about the storm passing quickly. At first he had been upset at the storm, wishing to set his eyes upon the warm sun after so long a time, only to be greeted by cold winds and white snow. But his anger had subsided quickly. He was a patient man. He had learned patience, been taught it well. He had learned to endure and persist, and it was as much a part of him as his own beating heart. Sometimes the wind would soften and the snow would cease, and an orange glow of the sun could be made out behind the gray and black clouds. But it was a false sky, and as quickly as the light came it would disappear. All of the joy the big man may have shown upon leaving the undead cathedral had been stolen away by the cold. They talked little, and more than once Lennox caught the warden staring him down with his cold, dark eyes. Calculating eyes. Hunter's eyes. He had known the type. He had seen them on an uncle once. Long ago. So very long ago. But the serpent's words. 
The creature said the warden smelled like a servant. It must be the ring. He played with his own Oathkeeper ring, twisting it around his finger. I'm a servant too now. A slave in truth, he thought. Perhaps he should have denied the warden. Someone would have come. Some hedge knight. Some sellsword or treasure hunter. He had seen them come before, though he had failed to secure his release. Too late. He shook his head. He would think of it no more. He would pay the oracle's price and be done with her. Not a night went by without the endless cry of howling wolves. Large packs of roaming beasts. The storm meant little to them, it seemed. Though they never got too close to the grotto. The wolves' howls brought forth thoughts of Astrid. Her absence had not gone unnoticed. But if it bothered the warden, he kept it to himself. It seemed an inconvenience to him more than anything else, like he was waiting for her to return so that they might finally depart. The big man mostly kept to himself, honing his large scimitar with a wet stone from his pack, or checking the tension of his bow. Sometimes he would pull out the gargoyle's head and look it over, with a small smile that touched the corners of his mouth and gleamed in his eyes. Hmm. I wonder how many prizes this man has taken. Lennox pondered the thought as he watched Shiva. For a moment, he meant to ask, but in the end he held his tongue and left the warden to his treasure. He spent much of his time with the horses, just watching them. He enjoyed the creatures, but they seemed wary of the night. Perhaps it was the way he smelled. He couldn't tell. The horses would stretch their necks past the gate to snatch the oats from his hand, but their trust ended there. They would shy away from his hand if he went to stroke their neck, and their distrust remained as strong for the night on the tenth day as it had the first. He had hoped feeding them would put to rest their fears. It had not. Still, he was happy for the creatures. Of the four white stallions, one stood out among the rest. He may not have liked Lennox, but he did not seem afraid of the night. He would take the oats freely, and then leave as carelessly as he had come. Lennox found himself smiling as he watched the big horse. Hmm, which is it? He said the words aloud. Do you not know fear? Or perhaps it's only the oats. The horse looked away. Lennox smiled. That one's smarter than he seems, Lennox thought. Go on then. Keep pretend you didn't hear me. We both know the truth. The trials will come soon enough. He left the horses and returned to the fire, sitting on the ground with his back against the wall as he had been in his cell. It was a good fire, and he often found himself sitting alone beside the flames while the rest of the cave slept, letting the warmth spread throughout his armor and protect him from the cold chills that sometimes leapt through the stones. He enjoyed the silence and closed his eyes as if to sleep though he did not sleep, did not dream, only recalled a past that he could not change. It was a world of shadows, the past, half remembered in the corners of his mind. Details would turn to smoke if he didn't concentrate, or become black shadows lost completely in the far reaches of his mind. But the most precious memories, the ones that mattered were never far. He had etched them along the inside of his armor, 
in between runes of magic and other enchantments, where he could reach them when he will. Other memories he had locked away in his rings, or etched them onto the back of his great war shield that lay below the lake with the Lord's tomes. They were important too, each and every memory a piece of lost knowledge waiting for him to reclaim. But the memories that mattered never left him. They haunted him every time he closed his eyes. Finish it, the queen said as blood pooled around her. Lennox, end it. He looked at her through his narrow visor. The queen, his queen, draped in red from head to toe. The dead were everywhere. Palace guards, struck down by the golden knight, pierced by his lightning spear. The tip of the blade dripped with blood and crackled with blue magic. Finish it, she was screaming. End it! The words were a high shrill. She was holding on to the great Lord Shem, her red eyes a blaze of fire. The soft crack of a burning log stole him away. He lifted his drooping head, and inside his golden armor his chest tightened, as he took in a short breath and held it. Two wolves stalked across the cave, their eyes sharp and lips peeled back, to show their large white fangs. They were silence wrapped in fur and moved slowly towards the fire. The larger of the two had smoke-gray fur with yellow-gold eyes. The smaller was jet black and looked half a shadow, its eyes a pale green. With as little movement as he could manage, Lennox nudged at the warden with his foot. Shiva, he whispered. Wake up. He kicked at the big man once more this time striking at the back of his head. Lennox saw the warden's head rise slightly. A moment later he spoke. What happened to your sharp eyes, knight? The words had a sleepy tone in them, and Lennox wasn't sure if the big man was making some small jape. Somehow, he didn't think so. Not with the wolves creeping closer and closer to the fire, their black shadows monsters on the wall behind them. Shiva set his head back down onto his cloak. Right then, she's finally back. Go and see if she needs any help. Astrid, the girl has returned. Lennox eyed the wolves once more. They were watching him, the both of them. He was a stranger to them and his smell was queer. But the warden was there, and the fire was warm. They were not frightened of the night. But when they reached the fire to lay down, they had kept their heads up and it wasn't until Lennox had reached the mouth of the cave that the smaller of the two finally closed its pale green eyes and nuzzled in close against the thick fur of the big gray wolf. Outside, the wind had ceased. It was one of the rare moments in the storm where the sun managed to break up the clouds and send its light streaming down across the woods below. But not far away, Lennox could see the storm raging brutally. An abnormal storm, Lennox thought. He stepped out of the mouth of the cave and saw the girl standing beside a small sled, with a large deer slung across the wood, its long body hung over the edge on both sides, nearly touching the snow. She was on one knee with a short knife in her hand, cutting at the rope. She looked big wrapped up in leathers and cloak, and was draped in a thick wolf-skin pelt. But when she stood, Lennox saw just how tall she was. Not much shorter than myself, he thought as he made his way towards her. She turned and saw the golden knight approaching when their eyes met. 
The hood of her soft gray cloak shaded her face, but her blue eyes watched him cautiously. She looked calm, clutching her knife firmly. Hmm. Hello. Might I take you to be Lady Astrid? Lennox asked. She nodded slightly and looked him up and down. The prisoner. It was not a question. She gestured towards the dead deer. Grab the other side. As Lennox stepped around the sled, a great howl went up from the woods as a hundred wolves bellowed as one. The golden knight stopped and scanned the woods through his helm, but the light was fading as the clouds above curled black. Astrid finished cutting the last rope and went to grab the deer. Prisoner, she said again loudly. Lennox turned. My lady, please, call me Lennox. But Astrid was already reaching down, and Lennox moved quickly to assist her. He would be spending some time in the company of both the warden and this girl. Best not to start off strained if it could be avoided. They carried the deer inside and set it down beside the fire to thaw. Much of the carcass was frozen solid, hard as ice, with an inch of snow resting atop the body. Lennox brushed off the loose snow as Astrid went back for her sled. She left it at the mouth of the cave, and once back beside the flame removed her large pelt, placing it on the same pile of logs Shiva had once used. Then she took off her cloak and dark brown leathers and set them by the pelt. She was only in her wool of undergarments now. They looked wet too, but she kept them on. Lennox was grateful for that. Well, she's hardly a girl at all, Lennox thought, and smiled as warm a smile as he could manage. Her hair was a light blonde, so fair it was almost white. It streamed, unconfined, in flowing waves down her back, despite having just been hidden behind a wet cloak. Her wolves stirred briefly before moving sleepily alongside their master as she took a seat beside the flames. They rested one on each side before finally closing their eyes and falling back to sleep. The woman sat stroking the gray wolf's head as it laid its head upon her lap. So, Shiva said you were a prisoner. Lennox wasn't sure if Astrid was making a statement or asking him a question. Of sorts. What did you do? Her voice was surprisingly deep, but she did not smile, and her eyes were ice. After a moment of thought, Lennox answered, It's difficult to say. I did a great many things, my lady, but no single one was why I ended up in that cell. It was a culmination, really. Did you steal? I did. Did you murder? Again. Lennox kept silent for a moment as he considered the question. Is it murder if the men were armed? This time it was Astrid who paused. She eyed him uncertainly. Was it a fair fight? Never, when I am the foe. Lennox looked at her coldly. But the men I killed had sword and shield in hand. And they could have run, or yielded. I have never struck down a man who bent the knee. Astrid's hand stroked the great wolf's neck, her fingers running through the thick fur. Yes, of course. I would not be presumptuous. I have only just met you. Oh my, Lennox mused. What an audacious woman. It's almost insulting 
She has not stopped judging me since the moment she laid eyes on me. He grinned before speaking. Well, let's not hold back our true thoughts. I have only just met you, and I am certain you are an unpleasant sort. And to you, I believe, I am no more than a common thief. And perhaps even a murderer. Astrid's face remained a dead pool, devoid of all emotion. Lennox continued, But we are both servants of Lady Soon. He had taken off his glove and was holding up his hand for her to see the ring. Our futures are murky, my lady. We need not be too friendly, but we do share common ground. Well spoken, she answered, irritated by the knight's bluntness. What is it you propose, then? A partnership. We need not be friends, but we will be traveling together, and I would much prefer an amicable atmosphere over an air of mistrust and suspicion. Do you find it difficult for people to trust you? Lennox frowned. You think me a common thief and murderer? I am not. Huh. You sound like a knight. Very well. I see no reason to disagree with you. How might we seal this partnership? With secrets, Lennox offered casually. Astrid studied him warily. What do you mean? He gave her a crooked smile. Secrets, my lady. I mean exactly that. We need not be friends. But if we know something about one another, something we don't want shared, well, then we might begin to trust each other. A shaky trust, true, but a trust nonetheless. I suppose you wish me to speak first. My lady, I wish nothing of the sort. I will go first, and you may determine the severity of my secret, and choose your own accordingly, or share nothing at all if you like. At least then you will hold a secret over me, and I would be most grateful if you kept it safely locked inside your mind. Shiva stirred by the fire. The two grew quiet and watched as he shifted his cape beneath his head, and laid it back down gently. Shall we get started? Lennox asked. Astrid nodded her head slightly, but it was enough. He slipped off the silver ring that Fade had given him, and watched her blue eyes grow wide. She inhaled a quick breath, then, a moment later, her face was calm again. It's not the taint, he said dully. Astrid said nothing, her eyes fastened to his decrepit face. The silver ring sat in his open palm. He leaned forward to examine it under the firelight. But the mark is similar, and it's not something I want known. The red flames flickered across the smooth silver, its yellow sapphires burning orange. It was a wicked-looking ring, Lennox knew. He slipped it back on and looked towards Astrid. The ring offers me a small disguise, but my touch is still cold, my skin rotten and failing. You say it is not the taint. Why are you a corpse, then? A good question, Lennox said. But I have told you one secret already. I do not need tell you a second. The lady nodded. Of course. Another time, perhaps. Perhaps. Very well, 
I suppose you want a secret of my own. Just one, and only if you wish to tell it. A secret of equal severity, as you put it? Lennox shrugged. Astrid glanced at the warden. What has he told you? Only that you are a pure blood of the North, and that Astrid is not your true name. My true name, she replied. Sad, isn't it? When one must hide themselves under falsities. What are you hiding from? That is not the secret I wish to tell you. You showed me what you truly are. I will tell you who I really am. My name is Liana of Kay, the bastard daughter of King Castor of the Northern Lands. In a golden flash, Lennox was kneeling before the fire and taking Astrid's hand into his own. His swiftness startled the lady, and a moment later he kissed her ring, the same oath-keeper ring he bore on his left hand. My lady, your father is a king. Then you are a princess. I'm sorry for my crude words earlier. Surprised, she let her hand linger in his own. I am a bastard's daughter. Many say I am no true princess. Kings and queens, princes and princesses, you are what you make yourself to be, my lady. And with that he let go of the lady's hand, turned, and went back to his seat. Another log cracked and crumbled, tossing the flames high and casting a burning light across his golden armor. He smiled, and just for a moment, hidden beneath the illusion of his ring, Lennox of Martial looked as true a knight as Astrid had ever seen.